Boxeo is off the ship and back in the building. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns fresh off eight days at sea. And it's ready to cruise back into your life with a bag-teasing dose of that performance-enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell is, in fact, the voice that you hear. Ready to absorb some of that, let's say, deserved humble pie from our most passionate listeners who have campaigned on social media and complained at the lack of boxeo from the ITC during a time when cruising was, in fact, made for box. But it was cruising of a different kind that pulled me away this past week as your boy BC toured the Western Caribbean like a prime O'Neill Bell and spent plenty of time right near the beach. Bye! In celebration of my son's 10th birthday, both sons, the twins. But you're not here to hear about that crap. No, you are here because you respect box and because you are so passionate about international 200-pound men that you would seek out a grainy internet fix and stream to get your fix, in fact. Well, we are the men to invade your field house and give you that. So let me put the pleasantries aside and welcome right in a man that is internationally known himself for writing, authoring, editing, Filipino television hosting, newslettering. Yes, this guy, the respecter of all things cruiserweights, Rafe Bartholomew. And Rafe, I'm going to save your theme song for a second as we prepare to cling to Richie Schaefer's Swiss satchel and prepare to absorb the mess. But first, in the midst of what really is your Super Bowl, the World Boxing Super Series, how the heck are you on the left coast, my man? Oh, Brian, you know, I, I don't know. I almost feel like I've been a jilted lover the last couple of weeks, you know. I mean, I I don't know that you did this to me on purpose, that you uh, <laughs> that you planned this quote-unquote cruise. I think it's a boat ride. Uh, that you planned this cruise right during the middle of, you named it, my Super Bowl, the Cruiserweight World Boxing Super Series semifinals. Two fantastic fights. I was so bottled up trying to get out all of my feelings. My feel spots were all activated. I was fully engorged for two full weeks, and uh, I had no release. And so on one hand, I'm so grateful that you're back and we can finally get into this. But it was hard, Brian. I mean, it was just... It was hard, and and you know the the audience let you know it was hard for them too. You know we we helped get this cruiserweight movement off the ground. <laughs> we we're there. You know, standing on the shoulders of us is Richard Schaefer and a number of magnificent 200-pound foreign men, and you know we have to be there for them. So thank you for coming back, and let's let's cruise. You know, let's cruise. Well, so many listeners pouring on social media and just being like, "Hey guys." I love you. I make you okay. You know, okay, okay. Where is the cruiser talk is basically what they're saying. And they've got it right. They've got a point. You know, look, cruising was made for box, but Rafe, cruising was made for bust, as in like, well, not the bus line. That would be a little inappropriate. In the waistline, because you know what? Eight days of cruising will give you like 15 more pounds around the old, uh, the old Sechel there. That's uh, 80K. Eating 80K calories. Shout out to the Alex Godinez who has been all over us, ADK style on Twitter, your 2017, by the way, uh, you know, cru- uh, cruiser of the year on this podcast there, the Alex Godin shout out to that man. But Rafe, uh, before we get into, we just die before we just straight up, just get washed with cruisers. Um, your book is still for sale. People that listen to this show know that. All right. McSorley's two and two McSorley's my dad and me. Did I butcher the title there? Is that still what we're calling it? 
That's all right. As long as all the words are in there somewhere, people will, you know, it's like a puzzle. People get into that. It's, it's, it's marketing. People know they can buy that. They can buy the hardback, the paperback, the softback, whatever. Trade paperback. The audio book. I read the audio book. You could, I, you know, you could. I, I'm gonna get Teddy Atlas to read, you know, the next edition of the audio book. I, you know, because I'm just trying to keep him in the money. So, you know, it's gonna be good. Well, we already know that people already know that you they could buy the book. But there's a new project you've got going on that not everybody knows about. Can you enlist enlighten us on the new Boxeo newsletter that's lighting up the interwebs? Oh, well, thank you, Brian. I appreciate you uh, fluffing me a little bit on this opportunity. Um, yeah, you know, look, I, I, I figured that I spend a lot of my week reading boxing news, following the sport, kind of looking for the goofiest, most fun things I can find, you know, on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. And I felt like, shoot, I gotta, I should just go ahead and start start a newsletter. And, and I did. Um, Wait, you said shoot, so right? Free. What's that? You said shoot. I just making sure that's what you said. I, you know, you got. I, I, I'm not sure at what point I, I actually shot right there, but I believe, uh, just judging by the, the, the warmth I feel, something oh, happened. Oh come on! Um, <laughs> you start. You did it. You did it. Um. Anyway, no, I started a boxing newsletter. Uh, every Friday it comes out. Uh, and it will, and it has, you know, a mix of, uh, you know, fight reviews, predictions, a lot of funny stuff. I get pretty silly because I don't know, everybody can hear the real sort of serious discussions on every other podcast and every web website. And we do that here too. Um, so I, I don't, I, I don't get too serious on it. And I, I kind of, my, my, my ambition is to pull out whatever weird stuff pull, like really catches my eye that I don't think people are following. Last Friday, I found footage of uh, of uh, Samson Lukowitz's new hot new prospect, a six foot seven junior middleweight, <laughs> six foot seven, one hundred and fifty four pound fighter named Sebastian Fundadora. Uh, and watching him fight is just like just hilarity. I mean, it may, it makes you kind of uh, giddy and also sick to yourself that you're that like you're like, oh, that's right. This sport I love is also like a total freak show. So if you uh, but, love freak stuff, if you can basically hear Jimmy, I can hear Jimmy. Then you should be uh, subscribing to the to the Rafe newsletter, which appropriately is is called uh, what? I mean, hold on, I probably got a sound drop for this, right? I mean, it's appropriately called. I respect box. Right, straight up. Respect box newsletter. Uh, respect box, Brian. Come on, look at me. I have one newsletter, two book. Uh, I respect box, and I want unification of book, podcast, and newsletter. <laughs> no, I think Rosado, good boy. Yes, 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 yes. Gaga, ga, ga, Kazakhstan forever. All right, the shilling is over, Rafe. Buy everything Rafe produces. But uh, now, Rafe, now you actually do know what time it is. In fact, if I can only find the sound drop, I would also tell you what time it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Rafe. It's time to talk a box with ya. Talk a little cruisers, brah. They're not quite heavy. You know that they can box up beats, they can brawl, yeah. And when Richard Schaefer put the cash down, all the cruisers come running. They don't care where the money come from, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
But you can't watch on American TV, bruh Find the grainy stream Russian audio Computer virus, yeah I love it I love it when we're cruising together Respect was made for box Rafe, the war the WBSS made quite a mess. Hashtag the road to Jeddah, which is actually a thing that people are saying. <laughs> and by people I mean David Diamante and all nine feet of his hair are saying this in public. Hashtag road to Jeddah, Rafe. We have two semifinal bouts to break down, digest, spit up, regurgitate, do gross things to. But holy cow, your tournament delivered. We're going to talk a lot of micro, but just talk macro for a second as I tease you up with this. You wanted this tournament to be what it was, to be real, to be a thing, for us to love it. I'm going to tell you after watching these two fights that this tournament is everything boxing needs and likely won't get in any other division because the cruiserweight exists in the European shadows and no one else cares about it or is willing to touch it. But holy crap, this is everything. I, you, you Look, by, obviously you are preaching to the choir. You aren't preaching to the choir. You are preaching to the cult leader. You know, this is like you walked into, you know, the, the Branch Davidian compound and are telling David Koresh that he knows what he's talking about. All right, let me go Larry Holmes on you. I know this game, Brian. I know this game. Cruiserweight game. Um, I, look, uh, I, I, all I can say is I'm a fan. I'm, I'm happy to see it working out so well, uh, kind of, uh, you know, at our, our highest level of expectations is basically being met. These are, you know, high, great, really good performances, even in the first round. Uh, you know, the only truly bad fight so far has been Briedes versus Mike Perez. Uh, and the, the semifinals were fantastic um, and gave you two different, you know, flavors too, where you had sort of like the back and forth, technical side uh, of uh, and the momentum swings in in uh, Usyk versus Briedis and them, you know, just like trying to figure each other out, but also really just beating the hell out of each oh, other yeah. because it was 12 rounds fought at a really fast pace. Uh, and then just the the, the brutality of, of, you know, of Garcia Dortico's on Saturday uh, and that amazing finish. Uh, oh, and leading up to that uh, Usyk Garcia final, I mean, my head is exploding. Bro, right bro, now. hold on a second here. Let me let me cool him off for a second. Cool me down, Brian. Oh my God. Wow. Wow, right? It delivered. All right. Let's break it down fight by fight. More than a week ago, January 27th, two Saturdays ago, from Riga, Latvia, the boxing hotbed in home of Mardis Bredis, we saw Alexander Usyk of the Ukraine, majority decision 12 in one hell of a fight. Rafe, 12 rounds of action. 12 rounds of momentum changes, of tactical changes, of, uh, like, number one, 
our guy Usyk walking in with the Keith Van Horn White Sox pulled up to the knees had had me just popping huge. All right, right away, it's like if you're not a fan for life of Ali Usyk, then dial right in. But yet, I came into this tournament loving Usyk like you do. We're big Lomachenko guys, you know, extension of Glovkin and all that's going on there in the in the Eastern European vibe these days. But I came out of this fight loving myself some Maris Brightus. And to be honest, look, I cover boxing. I don't know a whole ton about Maris Brightus coming in, right? The 33-year-old Latvian undefeated coming into this fight. I exited going, I want to see this match again. I want to see... I would. I just want to be on the. I want a brightest T-shirt. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. I just want more Maris brightest in my life. Holy crap! Did I love this fight, Rafe? Decision-wise, was it fair? Did Did you like the way it ended? Yeah. Okay. So because I I am deep into the cruiserweight weeds, I I have watched enough of this to be able to give us a pretty lamply incorrect uh, pronunciation of the guy's name. It's Maris Briedis. So you got to pronounce both the I and the E in the last Briadis, basically. Um, but um, it was a great fight. And and I actually, th- I mean, I knew you were abandoning me while I was watching it. But <laughs> I, uh, I, I was still thinking of you, Brian, because I know that is almost, I think of that as like the perfect BC fight. Fought, it, it, it was a chess match, but fought at the highest level with a lot of aggression. High-speed chess. You know, De La Hoya Mosley won. High-speed chess. That's my. That's, it, that's know, how I get down. You know, it's not just about the action, the brutality, the knockouts, but the amount, the different things they were trying in there, the technique, the craft, the way that, you know, Briedis really came on, you know, the way he just burst out of the gate and and had Usyk, you know, Really having to figure some stuff out the way, you know, his the, the way that Briedis was able to move in and out, the way that his, you know, I don't think Usyk has ever, probably, I don't think he's faced another guy who is in the same league with him athletically. And I think that Briedis was that. He, I don't think he's quite, he, he, he was as good a classical boxer, doesn't have as many skills uh, overall, and, and also didn't seem to have the, the, the conditioning or the stamina that, that really probably won that fight for Usyk. But, just in terms of a guy who is fast and strong and can keep up with him and, and isn't just sort of, you know, we see a lot of these guys are just sort of uh, the, the slower footed guys. They, they, they get in there with Usyk and they're just, they can't, they, they're just lost. They can't deal with it. You know, they can't handle his speed, son. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and Briadis could. So, and, and, and plus just, and then Briadis, even after the fight started to turn, you know, Usyk figured it out. He he was he, his conditioning started to win out. He kept figuring out ways to steal around and 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 make that decision yes. in doubt all the way to the end. Even in the twelfth round, Briadis is dead tired. He was just oh that just one eye dirty. is almost the one eye is like yeah. fifteen different colors. It's almost closed. Yeah, <laughs> and he was and he was and he was basically you know he was, he, he was halfway you know half one foot in the in the in the tank in the what. A, whatever you want to call it. Um, but he was just, he was still getting dirty and figuring out ways he, you know, that he basically just started prying open Uzik's guard with his, with his lead, you know, with, with his lead <laughs> hand and throwing in and throwing in rights behind it. It was, um, it, you know, it was a great, great fight. And I, I do agree with, uh, with the, with the decision. I, I thought it, I, I scored it seven to five for Usyk. And, and so the, the close majority decision win, Went to him. I, I I thought it was fair, and I was you know happy to see it work out that way. Even though that was one, no one would have felt bad if either guy had you know whoever had won because it was that close. I do think that Usyk you know deserved that fight. I don't. I, it seemed like he got the better of a great fight. I agree with that, and and I think some of that maybe was his activity, but I like. 
the first two rounds I thought were the most interesting. Because like you said, Briatus came out and gave him a look he hadn't seen before. Someone who's going to... I mean, Bradis doesn't have the same speed and elusiveness, but he went to the body, he was accurate with his power shots, and he made Usyk realize from the very beginning he's going to have to pull out, pour out the full jar. Like, this is going to be the fight of his life. And what we ended up getting was sort of the fight of their lives for both of those guys. I mean, this was the classic fight where both guys were elevated, and it's rare, and you love it. Neither guy took a massive beating, but were willing to walk through everything they had to walk through, and were constantly changing their styles. And to see Usyk have to use his mind that much was really impressive, right? You know what I mean? There were times when rounds three, four, and five, when he won back a bit of the momentum, he did so by having to trade, right? By having to to man up and stand in there and and fight at close distance. And that was fun to see for sure. And I, I just love how both guys stepped up to the challenge and elevated themselves in that regard. And it's like, any doubts we had on Usyk, you know, because he can look fantastic one time and then other times, you know, it looks pretty d- darn good. We want him to sort of be the Lomachenko of the cruiserweight and potential heavyweight divisions, and that's probably still an unfair type of correlation. But this was the perfect sort of step forward and say, I can fight a guy who's not backing down. I could trade with him. I can outthink him and I can edge him in a deserving decision. And I caught a lot of Frotch Kessler feels from this fight. Like, not just that I think they can have a rivalry of really close fights, but sort of the way those fights broke out. You know what I mean? The way that where Kessler was the, the counter puncher, and maybe the only thing that stopped him from winning was he wasn't as active as Usyk was, but or maybe because they're all four of those guys are Anglo-Saxon Europeans. I'm not really sure what the deal is there, Rafe, but I caught some crotch Kessler feels there. I want to see I- this fight again and again. Oh, absolutely. And the other thing that I, I that, you know, you, you, the, you, we bring up Vasil Lomachenko because they're both, you know, him and Usyk were teammates on, on those great Olympic, you know, gold medal winning Ukrainian teams. Um, they're, but they're, they're Instagram bros, you know, they hang out, they, 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 they entertain us with their, their off the, out of the ring antics. Um, but, you know, he, the thing I would say about that is he, Usyk got to show us something that because Lomachenko has been so dominant so far in his pro career, we have not gotten a chance to see from, from Lomachenko, which is being able to fight through adversity, basically losing three of the first four rounds on my card and I think on probably a lot of people's cards, um, and then figuring out a way to get back in the fight. And that is the thing that I'm taking away from like sort of the body of work that Usyk is putting together that he is one of these, he's a winner. He's one of these guys. He's got, uh, yeah, he's got a lot of skills, athletic ability, tools, whatever, you know, he's got a big old toolbox, but it's more, he's one of these guys. He figures he's not He You can't get him out of a fight losing a, you know, falling behind. Isn't going to, you know, just cause him to check out or lose or whatever. He's, he keeps working and, and and sort of chipping away until he figures out what is going to get him there and that's a that's a great obviously a great trait for for any athlete especially a fighter to have but it it is really cool to watch it in action you see a guy you know dig deep you know do a a a, a light version of, of Andre Ward digging himself out of the hole against uh, uh, Sergey Kovalev you know i mean that kind of that kind of quality is rare even among world-class fighters, and Usyk seems to have it. The other thing that makes his fights exciting is for all of the strengths that he does have, he lacks one thing, compare, it seems, compared to these other top-level cruiserweights. He's not as, he's not, I don't think he's as strong as them physically. Yes. Uh, I don't think, at least in terms of punching power and stuff like that. Um, 
And these guys are beasts. I mean, Briedis is, a, is, is one. Gassiev is probably an even bigger one, the guy who he's going to be facing in the final. Um, these guys are really, really just animals. And, and Usyk is going in there. He's strong enough to compete with them. But I don't think that his power is really, you know, giving them that much trouble. So he has to figure out other ways to win. Seems like he can do it. But it, it, it adds that element to these uh, of, of, of danger, of uncertainty, of excitement to these fights. Wow, the, pa- the passion coming out of you right now. I like it, you. I, like I, 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 you know, I poured out my whole cup, man. I mean, you were edging me along and I just, uh, boom. Hey, it works. So Usyk, by the way, in just his 14th fight, you know, unifies the WBC and WBO well, uh, cruiserweight titles. Not, 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 a, not bad at all. And that's sort of the genius of this tournament that we're getting the unifications. It's going to lead to a true champion again. Something I just don't think could happen in most other weight classes. That was the first semifinal. The second one was this past Saturday, February third, at the Bolshoi Ice Dome in Sochi, Russia. We saw Murat Gassiev in front of his home country. Score a dramatic TKO 12 over Unier Cool Ranch Dorticos. Not only did Gassiev find out sort of the hard way, right? You know, it's something that we find out a lot in boxing. Hey, that black guy, he hits hard. But man, you talk about a gutsy performance. You talk about an exciting performance. Rafe, people are talking about fight of the year for this one. I don't think it was as good as Usyk uh, Briaitis. Uh, what was that? Povetkian Br- Briaitis, right? Briaitis. Yeah. Brodus, uh, Brodus Clay, what are we going with? Bri- Bri- <laughs> what, what is it again? Myris Briedis. Briedis. I don't think it was as good as that fight. Maybe that's because I prefer a little bit more tacticality. But this was sure, certainly brutal back and forth, and then it had that ending. Do you think this was in conversation for best fight of the tournament? Of course, I, I think it's in conversation, but I, I'm firmly with you in the belief that um, Usyk and Bredis was just a, a better fight. Because I think because it had more momentum swings, more elements. This was, um, you know, this was basically the first four rounds. Dortico's backing Gassiev up, and then Gassiev, you know, figuring it, basically either doing something or figuring out a way to. You know, either either some of those early body shots, maybe they took a little bit of steam out of Dortico's power. Maybe uh, maybe Dortico's tired a little bit, and Gassiev felt that the the punches were were not as dangerous as they were in the early rounds. Maybe he just you know started landing those uh, started you know placing those shots right around the outside of the guard you know, which were landing so clean and figured, all right, I'm landing. I should step up the, I need to, I need to step on the gas a little bit for somehow he managed to basically after four rounds, turn the fight in his favor. And it just stayed in that direction the rest of the way uh, until eventually Dortikos, who showed one heck of a chin. Holy crap. Was he just eating those shots that we had seen, you know, people like Yanni Schimmel on PBC cards be annihilated by Um, Dortikos just walking through those things for most of the fight. Maybe it even hurt him towards the end. Of course it hurt him, but I mean, you know, strategically that may have hurt him towards the end because he just assumed he had this, you know, unbreakable chin until you know that finally failed him after taking monster shot after monster shot and never really trying to 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 get out of the way um but it's still the the finish was amazing um the emotions that poured out of the guys after the fight were amazing all right i want to get to that in a second there's a lot of hashtag man love coming out of this fight 
Uh, it was a pretty even fight, though, going into that 12th round. And what I can't find is what were the scorecards. Did you get a feel of that? Because, by the way, what I watched were replays of these on a YouTube with Russian announcers. I'm not even like this was it. We'll get to the what a joke of the broadcast of this was. But did you get a sense of who was winning on the cards entering? the Yeah, I, I did see the scorecards. I don't have them in front of me, but um, they were they were good cards. They were um, uh, Gassiev was up, I think, a point on, you know, up around basically on two cards and uh, uh, up two rounds on the other cards. So they were all about right. It was basically you had which which I think made sense because I, I wasn't scoring closely, but I had Dortico's basically sweeping the first four. And then, you know, a couple of swing rounds when in the middle when Gassio was starting to take over, but maybe he didn't do enough work to win them while, while, while Dortico's was still active. But basically, I, they were good cards and the fight was probably up in the air or at least that he might Dorticos might have been able to salvage a draw by winning the 12th or obviously if he had gotten knocked down stole a win um but they were good cards about what you would expect and yeah because Dorticos had that lead early on even though you could see the tide turning for Gassiev pretty clearly there was still going to be if it had gone to a decision a little bit of a question you could definitely see the hipsters out there the Brian Campbells saying well you know I thought Dorticos did well enough early in the fight and then he won a couple of rounds that was a draw that was a draw fight to me wow wow I mean come on dude stop that crap stop it uh yeah well look you got to give Gassiev so much credit for finishing the fight. Like, they taken it out of the judges' hands and the way he did it. And the way he started that in the 12th round was that left hook from hell that he dropped Dorticos with. And it's like they had been exchanging sledgehammers for, you could say, the whole fight, but specifically 9, 10, 11. I mean, it was hairy in there. And that left hook was... And, and what led up to that left hook, by the way, was Gassiev touching him, touching him, touching him. But, you know, Dorticos standing in there. That left hook changed certainly the momentum of the fight with about halfway left in the 12th round. It led to two more knockdowns. And that third one, which ended the fight when he got sent through the ropes, right through the passageway to hell. Wow, Rafe. Wow. I didn't realize Gassiev. Now, he's trained. we know he's trained by Abel Sanchez out of Big Bear. He's in camp with Golovkin, which certainly has to help him. He's only 24. Are you kidding me? He's only 24 years old. 26 pro fights already. Now your IBF and WBA Cruiserweight Unified Champion. Yeah, I mean, it was that that was some I mean, the strength of both of those guys was pretty outrageous. Just the you know, even though Dorticos wasn't didn't land cleanly and not a lot. And that was something that I I mean, you know, you got to I, I was just disappointed in that he and, and it sort of gives you a, a, a peek into what it's like for, you know, undefeated boxers who have basically dominated competition throughout their lives. They you know, some guys can figure out a plan B and. Dortikos didn't seem to have one. I mean, he basically was just going to walk forward uh, with a one-two as much as he could because that had knocked down every other person he'd ever seen in his life. Um, and it and he finally met the guy that it didn't. It wasn't going to work against. Um, and and you know, it was almost. I mean, he was kind of. It was it, watching him. He was. It was so um, mechanical. He, Dorticos reminded me of like a, a, a you know near end boss in like Mike Tyson's Punch Out, where like you know you you know exactly what he's coming at you with, and he's gonna keep coming at you with it. And you know if you stay uh, very you know if you if you time it right and you and you protect yourself, you can you can beat him. But if you mess up once, you probably are going to get not you know like little Mac that bag, yeah. Out. If you tease that bag too much, you're you're certainly gonna get the mess. Um. Rafe, we we speaking of teas in the bag. We we touched on the, on the man love. You sent me a bunch of links. Holy crap! Was there emotion, respect, love, 
so it started, you know, in the ring, right, with, with the, the exchange that they had. It went to the locker room where Gassiev sought out Dordikos' locker room, comes pouring in, hands him over the belt and gives it to him. Dordikos, who's been crying, says, no, 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 no. They, they embrace so much love. They take pictures. And it goes to that press conference where Dordikos so emotional. And again, let me, let me remind you, all four guys in these semifinals were title holders who were undefeated. Like, this is how incredible this tournament was. And you see the emotion of losing and how much this tournament and this opportunity meant to him. And Gassiev gets out of his seat, runs across the dais, and just puts some kind of all-man love all over him. I call it feels, as James Foley would say, right in the feel house, Drafe. I, I mean, I was drinking that cruiser juice, pouring it all over my spots because I said... This is what boxing is all about. This is what boxing should be about. It's not just the fact that this tournament had four unbeaten guys in the semis and you're going to crown a real unified, like, you know, undisputed champion, but the respect and the love, it's pure. It's not pure in the other divisions. It's about money. It's about TV. It's all about that. This wasn't even on TV in the States, which, again, we'll get to how ridiculous that was, but it was just about glory and honor. Rafe, I, it was about that Bushido that they talk about on the MMA side. What were you? I mean, under juice just pouring out of me here. Oh, so, look, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be able to match uh, the amount of juice that you just dropped on the on this on on this subject. But it was amazing. I mean, the yeah, it's it, those are those moments where you feel very lucky to witness as a boxing fan, guys, you know, just pouring it out like that. A guy dealing with loss and for the first time ever like that in a huge moment um you know and 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 then the the compassion that the guy who just beat him the guy who just sent him to hell uh can show and then you know and and the and the and for Dordikos to do to accept it from Gassiev after getting beat you know that that's one of those things that really can only happen in boxing I I mentioned to you it reminded me of you know of uh Amir Mansoor breaking down in tears uh, in his locker room after losing that close decision to Steve Cunningham yes. a few years ago, being like, you know, I, you know, just saying like, I, I hear about, you know, the, the man and what his daughter was going through at the time. And, you know, I, I, I my heart goes out to him too, you know, just like that it, it stuff is amazing. You, you, we are lucky to, to witness it. Um, and, and, you know, we witness it in, you know, when you put great fights like this together that are, you know, high stakes, uh, guys willing to risk their pride, their championships, their reputations, you know, when they have that much to lose, we see that emotion coming out and we see them, you know, and, and it creates these moments. It's, it's amazing. Okay. Let's talk about the final here. May 11th of this year, the road to Jeddah, it will be in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, Alexander right. Usyk. Yes. That is true as of now. However, if you go to boxing scene, you will see that there's some headlines about Russia wanting to make a big, big push to steal this fight from the uh, the Saudi princes who currently wow. are, are are paying the bill for it. Uh, the like the, it was there was a very funny line in the in the story from apparently the guy who you know, is in, in charge of uh, Russian sport in the Kremlin made a public statement that they are going to make a big bid to to buy the fight and put it on in like Russian day of boxing in July sometime. <laughs> Which, um, I like the idea of Russian day of boxing. I like the idea of the Kremlin getting involved yes. with this. I do not 
like the idea of having to wait till July. Right now, this is in May. Let's get yes. this, let's get it on. Usa, Road to Jeddah. Usa Gassiev in Jeddah in May. So the winner would unify all four cruiserweight titles. It'd be the first time it happened in that division. And historically, this is incredible. Now, the Ford division era essentially began in the late 80s. Only tw- three times before has anyone unified all four belts in a single division, right? It was Terrence Crawford at 140 last year. It was Bernard Hopkins and then Jermaine Taylor who beat him in the mid-2000s at middleweight. I would have given my life and said it was when Holyfield and Lewis fought, but apparently not. It was just three out of the four belts. Like, I said that, that you could never do this in any other division. You probably couldn't. Like, this well, is just uh, like... Of course, when later this year when Billy Joe Saunders defeats the winner of uh, Triple G Canelo 2, you know... Then of course Billy Joe Saunders will 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 have all four middleweight belts uh, unification. But it, but again it just and that, that you're right. But it, again it just goes to show you that I mean even the Super Six left out Lucien Boutet, right? So they would have somebody for the winner to potentially face, not realizing he was going to get washed and wear white pants in public every time we see him and all that. Covered but, in Boutet juice. Yeah, but like this was a perfect tournament. Now I'm saying that now before the final, which could be a you know a mess and we never we may never see it. But my point is. It's single elimination. Everybody, I mean, Perez was an interesting insertion. Probably Golowatsky, Christian Golowatsky should have been, who is an alternate in this tournament, probably should have replaced Mike Perez. I know we say that after the fact. I'm with you. I stand by the risk of putting Perez in. It was was an intriguing thing where he, you know, he looked great, you know, because he had lost weight. He looked like he was in shape. Uh, He was a little bit of a wild card because we had seen him fight, you know, in some good fights at heavyweight and thought maybe he'd bring some power. I think even though it turned out to be a big steaming pile of dung, um, (laughs) I I appreciate the ambition and I'm sorry it didn't work out. True. And the point was that outside of that, and again, you can argue that, Everybody that was in this deserved to be in it was was the best in the division. Like, we're really going to find who's the best cruiserweight in the world. And certainly if Usyk wins, and we're going to talk about this for the next few months, you know, it could lead to somebody who could eventually be an opponent for heavyweight champion. And all, all good stuff can come from this. But I just don't think you can do this in any other division. But holy crap, for as great as this is, Rafe, how disappointing for an American boxing fan is this? That Richie Swiss, who was on the show, Richard Schaefer, and, you know, it was great having him on there to talk about it, but for him be, to be unable to secure any American TV for this, to the fact that everybody the last two weekends have been struggling to find some kind of YouTube or illegal stream and get that malware or hear Russian commentary or whatever, like, Rafe, that's kind of a joke when you consider the money involved, when this tournament was announced, there was all this like money, you know, hundred million dollars, the Muhammad Ali trophy, all this stuff. And it's like, who's put, you know, who's, who's producing this money. I know we shouldn't care. Everybody's just signing up, but shouldn't that money help them secure something in the U S or did, did Richie overplay his hand with HBO and Showtime? Like, who are you blaming here? Is this a Schaefer problem? Is this a Peter Nelson and HBO problem? Is Schaefer overpricing and saying that you need to pick up my super middleweight tourney too? What do you know? Because I know you've, follow every inch of this every every inch yes down to the root um brian uh look i i I, you're gonna i i this is a strange opinion i don't i can't even explain why i have it myself um but i am going to say to you know fellow american boxing fans let's check our privilege here and i'm not talking about the kind of privilege that has lots of you maybe rolling your eyes i just mean this sense that we deserve to have all of the best fights 
in our country on TV all the time. You know what? We I don't think we do. We are still the richest country, but we are not the most respect boxing country. We don't respect box like other countries do. We clearly don't. Our our media does don't we have great boxing fans? Anyone who's been to a, a great fight in the states has seen that, but it's just not a, a major sport in the United States anymore. We have some respect for box, but not like other not like other countries. I'm not that mad. It's disappointing. Uh, and when and and yes, I I I have heard different things about you know the, the like why it never why the the World Boxing Super Series never ended up on US TV. Um, the thing that I've heard is probably that. Richard Schaefer asked for too much money, and he tried to, and he tried, wanted to sell the entire tournament to one to a network rather than being willing to make deals for individual fights. Um, I would have loved to see HBO or any other network purchase the entire tournament, um, but you know, and and in a lot of ways, it would have been perfect for HBO at this time, where they have been willing to dip, you know, to to dip a toe into some of the uh, less, you know, traditionally popular weight classes, right? They've been, they've gotten a lot of love for the Superfly fights. Um, and, you know, I mean, going back to sort of the, the, the early days of, of Peter Nelson at, at HBO, when he was really pushing for to give shots to Gennady Golovkin, Sergey Kovalev, he's a guy who built his reputation on, on having an appreciation for these lesser known uh, fighters in the States who are great and have a chance to to really break out here. Um, the problem, I think, one of the other things that made that fall apart with, with HBO, besides if there was questions about the money, is HBO is, I think, you know, they're saddled to Canelo and Golden Boy. You know, they, that is, that he's the golden goose. Uh, and they cannot mess with that. And I'm pretty sure if there's one true blood feud in boxing, among promoters, it is, you know, Tricky Dick Schaefer and Oscar Ooh, De La Hoya. That's a good point. That's a juicy, salty point right there. Because I wanted to pull a, you know, Mr. Nelson, Mr. Schaefer, tear down that wall. But that you're, this, is a, this is a much thicker wall, if you will, right? You know, I, this I is think, a... I think that HBO maybe would have been able to come up with a deal, you know, maybe not for the entire tournament, but like for the semifinals. Oh, yeah. these look like great fights. Let's put them on. I wouldn't be surprised if there is, uh, if they received a message uh, on some level, maybe not through official channels that, you know, if you do this, we're going to take Canelo to where, uh, you know, any, the, the, to, another be in, network to be in Espanol. It's probably right. to be in Sports Espanol, yeah, which is a right. super station. <laughs> um, with, uh, with... You know, and, and HBO needs Canelo. You know, I mean, he's the biggest. He's he makes he creates the biggest he's, star in the sport. He's the whole damn station. He's the whole um, damn network right now, Canelo. So that's a juicy theory that probably makes more sense than any other. Because I was tempted to sort of at first you want to blame knee jerk, you want to blame HBO, but then I was more tempted to sort of blame. Schaefer and be like, you know, you can't overprice yourself. You can't try to offer the tip of the boat when people don't want the full shaft. I don't even know what I just said right there, if it means anything, but it really, really was fun. But I'm just saying I, I was tempted to sort of uh, blame them, but it's probably more to that. But in the end, did you and I, I liked your theory about privilege, but did it feel good for you in a way? That you're almost watching something you shouldn't. You're watching something so niche and trendy, like oh, yo, you, you know, you may like what's on the top forty, but I got this band and they only play in these underground clubs, and we got to go see them. Because I get that feel 
with Japan wrestling. You know, I, I do a WWE podcast, but New Japan wrestling infiltrates that. And to watch that, you got to go on these grainy streams sometimes, and you got to pay money, and it's all written in Japanese, and you have no idea. But then when it comes on, you're like, this is cool. Is the Cruiserweight tournament cooler? That it's not on HBO and we're not seeing traditional marketing streams to get us to watch it? That we have to get on Twitter and, and you know, reach out to our clientele, our peeps are, are out there and sort of watch this grainy malware to kind of watch it. Does that make it feel a little bit more special to you, Rafe? Yeah, well, look, of course. I think a lot of boxing fans have that little bit of a, you know, I don't know, sort of like um, slightly hipster uh collector mentality you know you're the kind of folks who are like oh yeah i'm up on this stuff that you're not up on you know like i i got the real dirt and this is like you know this is like uh well this is a really bad analogy but i'm gonna run with this is like that scene in the you know in the 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 snuff film movie eight millimeter where nick cage is going to like the deepest darkest layers of german nasty pornography and he's asking for the worst stuff they got give me the give me give me the most extreme yeah this Um, this rave (laughs) philly style philly style philly style philly style shouts to the eagles um you know, yeah, this I mean, there's a little bit of that and I certainly don't mind it. Um, is it would I prefer it to get more exposure on a greater level for the sake of the fighters and the future of their careers? Of course, that's better. But I don't mind it. And actually, it, I there's something fun about, you know, rolling out of bed on a Saturday morning, you know, eating some cereal and then try like getting down to the work of figuring out how am I going to watch these fights, <laughs> you know? And like, I got to say, I, I caught, uh, I caught a German feed for uh, Usyk Breitis and their announcers were hilarious. The guy, the one German announcer had a thing for Kenny Bayless who refed the Usyk fight. And every time he saw Kenny Bayless, like, like in the locker rooms before the fight. And then like right after Kenny Bayless gave the instructions, his, his the German guy kept going, and what I say, you must obey. And, and I was like, wow, Kenny's, Kenny's catchphrase sounds a lot more evil with the German guy, with the German accent. Um, you know, you get weird stuff like that. And as, as fans of the, the, the goofy side of boxing, you know, there's an added element of that. Plus, the undercards on these things are so bizarre. You had, I mean, just really like sad-ass fights with uh, our man uh, Duradola, the Nigerian cruiserweight who got sent to hell. You know, he's just been through some wars last Saturday. There, there, there's enough, you know, uh, there's enough... I, I, I'm into it. Um, it would be better if it were on, you know, a major U.S. network, but I don't mind it. And also, we should point out... Um, you know, you were too busy actually cruising to cruise with us last Saturday, but the w- WBSS did provide a very good YouTube and Facebook stream of the main event um, and the undercards la- last week. So it seems like they figured that issue out. Um, and I imagine they'll do the same for Makes uh, the final. Even so, if they don't get know. it on, the, you hope for American TV, but if they don't, look, these days it's a lot easier to Chromecast or whatever you, you know, whatever you do to put something on a TV screen. It's not that hard. Overall, though, Richie, I ripped you for not getting it on American TV, but I got to give Richie Schaefer the credit where credit is due. This is essentially how I feel about this tournament right now. I'm Phil. I'm very Phil. The fight now. How do you feel? <laughs> I'm Phil. I'm very Phil. I mean, I am very feel, Rafe. That was our guy, Ali Usyk. Uh... And, and Brian, I'm glad you played that clip because I wanted, I mean, this is something that we, uh, even though we're going so, so deep on these cruisers, it's great. Um, 
I want to like, what do you what do you think is the real star potential of, of Alexander Usyk? Because you can tell, you know, they are he he is uh, he's making a push for a GG Triple G style crossover, right? I mean, the the weird catchphrases. He is sort of telegenic. He's got he makes crazy faces. You know, he can go from frightening to total goofball in like well, a, a snap of your fingers. He's got I am very Phil. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean. You know, if you watch, actually, I, uh, Brian, for you and all of our listeners, if you are, um, if you want, the, the WBSS is putting out some sort of bootleg 24-7 videos about all these fights, uh, both before and after. The after fight of uh, Usyk Greatis is very funny. Usyk is like making jokes about cur the, the sport of curling and talking about how much he would like, once he's like, I want to eat duder kebab, double kebab. You know, I mean, you get a lot of weird, like, he, anyway, he's got a personality, this guy. Do you think that he he can sort of have that sort of star trajectory? I think he could have, but I think they ruined it. Look, I know he fought on HBO in that fight in at the MGM in, in Maryland on, on an undercard. What was that? was on the uh, Lomachenko, Lomachenko undercard, but that wasn't like his best performance. And now these were career making victories that we just saw. And by the way, it was a great revolution, but the revolution was not televised, which is my whole point. So Golovkin became Golovkin because he was on HBO with a big marketing machine behind him. And suddenly people were like, you got to watch this Tyson like guy who smiles and then knocks you out. Usyk doesn't have that same style. And that run wasn't on HBO at a time when HBO was still considered to be HBO. So I feel like they missed that window, Rafe. You know, like if it was if he was with Top Rank right now and they were doing this on ESPN, yes, I think they would have a chance. They just missed that window where I don't think he'll become a crossover star. I do think, and I think we should push off this conversation, but I do think he's now a, a long long term Anthony Joshua opponent. And if he gets to that point undefeated, That'll be his star-making moment, but it won't be as big as it could have. I think they did miss that window, and it's just it's a little disappointing. But you know, it's a, it's, boxing's a worldwide sport now, Rafe. So let's just embrace it. Let's stream it on May 11th if we have to on the road to Jeddah for the final I stream. I am very stream. I, I am I am very stream right there, Rafe. Uh, man, I'm fired up from cruising together. Like seriously, like I, I I'm I'm back where I need to be on this. You, you pulled me in. You, I tasted the juice. I, I mean, it's I feel like Tom Woodfield, the plasterer here. I don't want to go back to my regular day job. You know, I I don't want to come back down from this cloud. You know what I mean? It's just taken me all this all this all this time. Um, there were there was a couple pieces of news though, Rafe, while I was cruising. Uh, not together myself and number one was triple g canelo part two duh may 5th we don't have a site but we do have a fight this is very good news that we didn't get an oscar de la hoya curveball we're not getting billy joe saunders canelo on may 5th we're getting the real fight for the health of the sport great news the only real sort of uh from now until the fight in terms of like what's going to happen next is the site and I hope that I like the fact that it wasn't automatically Vegas, right? I like the fact that we're probably not going to see when we see this rematch, well, rightfully so. But fired up that MSG in New York is still in the conversation. You're a New York guy. You're in New York right now. You catching feels from that? No. Nope. I don't care, man. I told this oh, fight belongs on. in oh, Vegas. Go, uh, go to Vegas. I, oh, hell. Oh, oh, hell no. Oh hell no, Ray! Wrong. That's that's the wrong. That is not that is not disgusted, Emmanuel Stewart. That is pumped up, Emmanuel Stewart. Someone just got knocked down. Yeah, I, that soundbite doesn't play well. I don't. I don't like you know. Oh. Oh, get this. Oh. 
Oh, God. Come on. You grew up in an area of the country where I did where MSG is the damn Mecca, Rafe. And now you're selling your soul to ah, put it in Vegas. No, let's not put it in Vegas, Rafe. Not just for Adolescent Bird, but for the fact that real history in this fight is a historic fight takes place on 8th and 31st. All right? Come All right. on, bro. All right. You know, I, I, you're talking me into it. I mean, I was ambivalent. I didn't really care. I also just think it. I think it's overall probably just some negotiating. You know, they're going to get some godfather offer from from uh, from MSG, then and then just use it to you know pump up the offer in uh, in in Vegas and still fight there. So I, maybe I'm just maybe I'm just being like kind of preemptively skeptical yeah. about it. Come on, go um, tell your parents. Just- Tell your parents. I just said, tell me I said hi. I mean, come say on. Hi. Say hi for me. Yeah. I, you, but you know what? Thinking about it, if we were in Madison Square Garden and you're down there on the floor, you know, with the rest of the real journalists and I'm up there on the bridge with the rest of the newsletter no, no. writers. Respect and, Box and, is going to make the floor. And, and bloggers, uh, you know. Hey, PBC uh, would put you on the floor. For our Snapchat, PBC put you on the floor one time. Come on. Not in any meaningful fight. Um, but uh, so – Look, but to be in there in Madison Square Garden when that like, you know, that hits and like, you know, Triple G walks out, that would be that would be a a crazy, huge feel spot moment that I would not feel quite as strongly about in Las Vegas. You're right. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Hey, make it happen. MSG makes you want to bang. It might be fun, you know, to hit the guy a little bit. But we we, we got to bang him a little bit. I mean, we're not banging him. Bang I mean, you gotta bang an MSG yeah. makes you just want to bang, right? Yeah. Well, look. I mean, if we're gonna come to New York, though, I think we should look. We should set our sights even higher. You know, go take a page out of the uh, the Talmud of Bob Arum and and really uh, go for Yankee Stadium. Wow. You know, where epic epic fights like Yuri Foreman, Miguel Cotto <laughs> took place. You know, get Arthur Mercanti in there. Really pull out all the stops. You know, embrace history. You know, and, you know, and, and when, when one guy's knee blows out, you know, make him fight like a champ. Make him go out <laughs> on his shield. You don't want to really? go out like that, champ. Is it really, though... I mean, when was uh, so that was the last Yankee Stadium fight, 2011. That was terrible. It It never happened. It never happened. Although, although I wouldn't, uh, we do have to give a quick, brief shout out to the legendary Bob Arum, uh, Ariel Helwani interview about special arts that took place at Yankee Stadium. Oh yeah, Uh, but the last fight that actually mattered, I'm not sure if there was any fights in the 80s that mattered at Yankee Stadium, but it's really like Ali. Norton three, right? Was that the one that that was like the I last big that time? Right, you know. I mean, that would be great, but look, that's not going to happen. MSG, look, I know there's always funny money in Vegas that always brings fights back there. Can somebody bring some funny money in NYC? They got funny money there. Come on, just got pull- It's the tax, man. The taxes are tough. You know, so you need you extra gotta- funny money. Call up the guys in Jeddah who still have the forty million deep buried in the sand that we're supposed to see Con Pacquiao, right? To find out who is the king at clean up the one four seven division. Yeah, to find out who was the one four seven king. <laughs> we never got to find that out. So oh, find that's right, that- man. You just buried the lead on Con Lo Greco. The real. Oh. Oh, how good is that? that? Got made while you were yes, yes, for the Chippendales belt. That's going to be fantastic, right? Bro, Lo Greco looks like he weighs like 250 pounds right now. He's been food blogging for the last food, food. Sorry, food vlogging for the last six months. Uh, this that is going to be a sloppy mess, but you're you're going to be there for it. I know. Oh, damn right, uh, Rafe. The other news that's big, not to gloss over Triple G Canelo, but there's not. I mean, there's not We're much going to be talking about, about that for yeah. the next 
four months. It's, it's a great it's, fight. We want to see it. Thank you, Boxeo. Respect box. Don't get mad at us. Uh, Floyd's teasing the MMA bag a lot, Rafe. Apparently, when I've been gone, I come back to Instagram posts, Twitter. Uh, he's in a cage with gloves on and some shorts that looks like he's maybe just there for a commercial. Maybe it's uh, like, look, he's not going to fight an MMA match. We know that anyone who actually covers boxing for years knows this, right? So here's my problem with this, because everybody who got all giddy for Maymac, right, the first time the boxing match, are like, well, what if he does? What if he does? Look, UFC cannot afford Floyd, okay? So let's get out of there on that one, okay? Number two, we know Floyd. He's not even, Two years ago, he wouldn't fight Keith Thurman. He's not going to fight an MMA fight. But to push this, Rafe, to push this narrative that Floyd's doing, it scares me. Here's why it scares me, Rafe, okay? Because if he ever did, and if there's any chance this was real... You are really pushing towards conspiracy theory like 1919 Black Sox scandal territory because, you know, Floyd came out after Maymac and basically admitted to carrying Connor for, for four rounds. And it really changed the lens if you weren't believing in conspiracy theories before that to go back and watch that fight. And you can talk yourself into believing that there was sort of a, as Teddy Atlas says, a silent agreement, a handshake deal. I'll carry you. You don't knock me out and I'll carry you to a certain point. If Floyd ever actually took an MMA fight, and especially if he took it against Conor, like if it was Floyd against CM Punk, that's kind of brilliant, like Bellator-style circus marketing. Like, that's that's brilliant. If it's actually any form of an MMA fight, it, dude, it's, it could ruin combat sports because there's no situation. Out, you know, Floyd's not going to sign up for something for any amount of money where he's going to get kicked to the head and choked out in one minute. So let's get that out of the picture. But if it's some kind of mixed rules bout where there's a silent agreement, like... That could ruin combat sports. Like, I'm serious. Like, that's a bad, that's a, the biggest black guy we've seen in a sport that's littered with black guys. So I want, obviously, nothing to do with this, like, at all. And I just wonder if it's a smokescreen or uh, to set up a boxing rematch between these two this spring or summer. Your thoughts? Does that make any sense to, as a smokescreen for that? I mean, I guess it does. It's more interesting than if they just well, let me said, say this. oh, we're thinking about boxing again. But it's just... You know it's, Floyd's it's a... bait and switch thing he used to do, right? Hey, do you oh, guys yeah, want me to Khan... fight Devin Alexander? Or do you want me to fight Maidana? When in reality, we want you to fight Manny Pacquiao or five other guys. But it's like, oh, do you want me to fight... What was it, Kareem Mayfield that one time? Remember that crap? Like, So maybe this is the bait and switch of like... I'm going to fight MMA. No, I'm not. We're really just going to rematch in boxing. But to get everybody talking about it and excited about it, I don't know, Rafe. What do you got? What do you got for me here? Well, look, I mean, I'm mostly just grateful. I, I, I hope if they ever, you know, engage in business again, they do do it uh, in the UFC or in MMA because then that ain't my problem, bro. You know, I'll be happy to uh, throw some bad jokes out about it here on a podcast <laughs> with you. But I, that's, that, that, I can just ignore that all the way and you guys can deal with the existential crisis. It, it, it puts, uh, you know, the fine sport of mixed martial arts in and I, I wish you everyone the best. And, and at least there will be a lot of money made. Um, and, uh, you know, all the people who wanted to see Mayweather lose all these years probably will finally get their day. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, other than that, I don't, I think, of course it's, it's absolutely idiotic. Um, but yo, it, it doesn't matter anymore these days. If it makes, you know, if it makes money, there is no, you can't argue against money anymore. Like, you know, I, I don't know how, how low we're going to sink on that level. Like, you know, if, you know, if it, you know, if it's like, 
you know, we start having like blind boxing and all kinds of other stuff. Hey, man, it's crazy. Let's watch it. Um, but, um, you know, uh, but blind now, celebrity boxing. I'll do blind celebrity boxing. All right. Yeah. Like blind Romney versus Stevie Wonder. Oh, wait, know, in not- the BKB pit. But then there's like tax. <laughs> you know that little ramp outside the pit? You should have like a thumbtack all over there. So if you, if you fall backwards, you get knocked down, you know. Blind contender, you know, uh, there's a lot. Oh, boy. Uh, The Braille Institute is going to have a letter coming to your offices any day. By the way, Um, that BKB, they got to use that. I know that it died. No one cares anymore. But they got to use that concept for something like that should be the celebrity fake fight ring for the future. Right. Somebody should have. I I, I hope that like some like Hollywood, like celebrity actor, producer bought the pit and just has it in their like mansion somewhere. And, uh, yeah, you know, hopefully they do savory things in it, but possibly not. Oh, gross. Uh, so, yeah, Rafe, that's that situation. The other bit of news I got for you is that uh, DSG, Danny, Danny Garcia, who will see him against Brandon Rios in a little more than a week, he was quoted as saying, Errol Spence is a great fight for me, exclamation point. And I bring that up for this reason. We, we get on Danny Garcia for rightful reasons, right? The, the HBO portion of his career was great, and he was challenged. And, you know, through the Matisse fight, which was obviously a Showtime fight, the Showtime portion of his career and PBC portion has not been great. At first, I was like, all right, DSG, yeah, good luck. Welcome, Meryl Spence, and, you know, welcome to the Terradome, bro. You don't want none of that. Then I started to think about it. That's exactly what we would want him to say. So that's good. That's a, that's a good bit of news. DSG saying, yes, Errol Spence is a great fight for me. DSG saying, like, who else has he fought? I fought. Thurman, Peterson, Matisse, Khan, and the list goes on and on. Who else has this guy fought? He's not a killer. I want DSG to want Errol Spence. I want you to want me. So this is good news. I'm with you, yo. I mean, that's a great – I think I don't think it's a great, great fight, but it is a very, very good one. The kind of fights that we sh- that we should be seeing in, in the what is still the glamour division of the sport. You know, with the deepest talent pool, it's crazy that the, – the, the, I mean, and, and this is not anything new. We all know the reasons and the politics why. Uh, so so it, sometimes it can feel like we're, like, screaming into the wind about it. But welterweight is still the deepest – best division in boxing and somehow it's the one you know probably because of that and all the money involved uh and the different actors it that that leads to it being the, the division where it is hardest to make the best fights um is errol spence versus danny garcia the best fight at welterweight no but it's one of the top three top five and right. and, and 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 as a as a as a win on errol spence's resume if you favor him like i would in that fight especially Danny, who is a guy who is, you know, a great chin, right? I mean, like, took a, a genuine knockout right hand from Lucas Matisse that sent his his mouthpiece flying. His off mouthpiece of the went rope. to hell. He didn't go to hell, but his mouthpiece did. And Errol Spence stopping him, if he could, or just beating him, would be a very, very big statement. And it would be, and it would. You know, that's the kind of fight that, hey, if, if Danny really wants it and they can make it, fabulous. Do Great it. News. And they're basically on the same schedule, right? They've both been healthy. They're not in, they're not injuries. Make it later this year. I'm not, you know, especially with Keith Thurman saying that, you know, he is not fighting Errol Spence this year, which is, I, I wish he hadn't gone that far. I was okay with the oh, tune-up that's, fight. That's awful. But, like, the, 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 the entire year of tuning up is a little is a little extreme for me. Um, but at least Thurman is kind of honest about it. He's like, look, I'm not doing it this year, so leave me alone. I'll do it next year. Um, you know, that's not exactly what we want to hear, but he's not he's not playing games. He's not saying, well, I would do it if I could do it. You know, he's just saying no. Um, 
Anyway, in the meantime, DSG Spence, do it. That's great. I, uh, you know, so why, here's the thing. why the hell not? Now, you know, that's assuming, you know, Bam Bam doesn't go in and take his soul. <laughs> but he, uh, slow, uh, slow down right there, uh, first of all. But number two, so like we all, here's the thing. DSG's cherry picking era makes us underrate him for sure, right? He's, it's not just that. It's well, also no, that he on. stunk during that era, right? True. I mean, he he basically lost to some of the cherries he was picking. And he's in a, in a quick boxer cannot cannot work him and out and outdo him. So we're all going to pick Spence to win for more than one reason, not just the slick boxing, but for the power, for the complete game, for all of that. But DSG thinks this is a really good fight for him. And if you really think about it, this is a really tough opponent for Spence because the one thing that DSG still does on a very elite level outside of his chin is counterpunch, right? That left hook is a finishing move if there's finishing moves in boxing. So in theory, that would really be the true test of is Spence as good as we think he is? Because the only thing Spence hasn't shown us yet against a really big puncher is to walk through hell, right? So this yeah. would be that opportunity if DSG, who's not going to win over 12 rounds and knows he's not, is going to go in there to try to stop him and knock him down a few times. So that'd be yeah, it's interesting. I'm with you. Any, if Spence won, any kind of Spence win, I think, would be a, a really sort of powerful statement fight because it would either mean that he basically walked through Danny Garcia, which we have not seen anyone do because most of his Spence's wins so far, he is just, you know, stronger, better you know, faster, more accurate. He just, do he just dominates, cuts right through the guy. Or so if he, so he would either do that to Danny Garcia, which would be huge, or he would, you know, show us another, another dimension of, 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 of his, of his game, right? He would move more. He would outbox the, uh, Garcia and, and beat him, you know, in, in that kind of way. Uh, either way would be, we'd be looking at something really special if he could pull it off. You're, you're damned right, Rafe. All right, Rafe, on the way out, I've got to talk real quick about this weekend. Last weekend, Turtle Romero's fought on ESPN. I don't want to talk about it. I didn't watch it. I'm probably not. You have 60 seconds to tell us anything about it. Should we care? I should. Uh, I would say, don't watch it. You made the right decision. Um, you know what? Hey, it, 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 they did, Hopefully, it will get better from here. Uh, Zerdo says he's waiting for the super six guys on the super middleweight side. That would be great if he ends up getting one of those fights. However, they had some giant, like spray tanned Australian guy on the undercard <laughs> named Rohan Murdoch. Uh, Fighting, you know, a jobber who showed up to the weigh-in in his jeans, um, you know, and uh, that guy is rumored to be a uh, an opponent for Zerto later this year. So uh, there may be some more shenanigans on that road. Um, it was fun to watch Jerwin Ancajas, you know. Uh, All right, you're going over you your know, 60 seconds Filipino here. I'm gonna... Superfly champion, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, he looked very good. Hopefully he gets in some some meaningful fights, and, and, and this could be the beginning of a great career. Everyone uh, watching the fight was like, please stop comparing him to Manny. And so please let me add that. Please stop comparing him to Manny. He's his own fighter. He's left-handed. That's it. Yeah, everybody knows that. Um... Uh, Mojito Gesta is the is the is the new Manny Pacquiao. Uh, Rafe, so this weekend there's a couple fights that you really shouldn't care about on BN Sports. Miguel Burchell is going to defend his WBC junior lightweight belt against a guy you never heard of. You can care if you want. Um, Mickey Roman is going to fight off TV in Mexico, but there are oh, there's one other fight that's on real TV. No, there's not. Okay, but there are two fights I want to get your quick take on for both of them. One is Saturday, Rafe, from Philadelphia. Talk about washed on washed crime. I don't even think there's going to be a TV camera on this, but it's Hank Lundy against Demarcus Chop Chop Corley in an eight-round lightweight <laughs> bout. Lightweight? They're both going to make 135. Are you kidding me? Well, these are guys are like washed welters like last week. This is a lightweight bout. Who you got? Because I, I care about this fight more than any other. Oh my, ah, oh man. Um, I guess I'll go with 
with age and say I favor Lundy and I feel like he hasn't he's fought closer to lightweight you know in, in recent years you know he's been mostly at 135 and 140 uh, whereas Chop Chop seemed like he was going further up and might have to cut more at this very old age whoa that's going to be sloppy violence yeah absolutely there and is, also is that, are they like fighting on a cornbread Lamana undercard like what is that <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the main event, but that's a great call right there. Also, by the way, on CBS Sports Network, not not to completely bury it, Nico Hernandez, the the Olympian, is going to also fight in, in an eight round fight. But that, but the fight I really want to ask you about is Thursday night, Rafe, on UFC Fight Pass of all places, Roy Jones Jr. Yes, our guy, Rafe. I I, I know you didn't forget. Oh, let it play, let it play. Man, he stole that move from a Gangcock. He's fighting Scott Sigmund in a 10-round cruiserweight bout. You know Scott Sigmund, right? He's 30 and 11. He's a Friday Night Fights veteran. He got sent to hell by Caleb Truax. He's also lost to... That's safer. I thought he had sent Truax to hell. I was a little worried for... uh... For, for for Roy, but if, if he got sent to hell by Truax, all right, we might have some. Kelly there. Pavlik knocked him out during that tattooed comeback. Um, he's lost to Ronald Gavril. He's lost to, yeah, he's lost to everybody. Rafe, the thing is, though, this fight will somehow be on UFC Fight Pass. I don't know. They pick up low-level low fight cards and they stream it. It's in Pensacola. It got advertised as, like, Roy's last fight. Now there's reports that Roy's saying, well, it's my last fight in North America. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rafe, I mean, we he is a Russian citizen. You have to give him a, a home, you know, like a, a, a just a homegoing fight. You know, I mean, a farewell moment out there in in Mother Russia. You know, I mean, he's he. They did give him a patch that says Russian boxer number one. So he really does. You know, I I I'm okay with that. All right. I mean, we shouldn't care, but I feel like Scott Sigmund is a step up from some of the clowns that Roy has recently been taking. Remember, he fought that MMA guy in his pro debut, and they tried to like ban. <laughs> I'm just saying, like. I just, you know, you have that bad feeling that Roy's going to, like, enable himself to get sent to hell one more time really badly before it's all over. I kind of want him to, like, lose a decision here and be sluggish but not take a lot of pain and then just walk away. But it's probably wishful thinking, right? Hey, I I hope he wins and I hope he retires after that. Uh, You know, that's all I – and I I like Roy. I I respect his decisions to, you know, sort of live his life the way he's doing. He seems, uh, you know, when when we get to interview him – he doesn't seem like he's in terrible shape. Obviously, you can't always see the damage that the, the sport is taking on fighters, uh, you know, in the moment or, you know, often it, it, it comes in years and years later. And, and we're all afraid for that with with Roy and, and just about all the fighters we love. But, you know, um, he's he's I don't know. He's like one of the fighters who made me fall in love with the sport like one of when I was younger you know before and even when I was you know when I was a casual fan before I really got into it Roy was that guy he was just he was that amazing you know just unbelievable supernatural talent and uh I you know I, I want him to to succeed in whatever the hell he does you know whether it's that crazy thing he was telling us where he teaches you to box over <laughs> Skype or uh or, you know, fighting jobbers in Pensacola, you know? You know what that like, Skype thing could turn into? It could turn into him sending those nude photos of himself flexing. It, could, it really could, depending on the clientele. Well, look, I mean, the ultimate sack is ready. You know, they are ready. Rafe, that'll wrap up another week that was in Boxeo. Hey, shout out to all the diehards, all the people that cruise with us. I'm back from cruising. We touched on it a lot this week. We tried to give you the juice, give you the good stuff. Follow us on the Twitter webs at B Campbell CBS 
at Rafe Boogs. Buy all of Rafe's products, if you will. Hey, give us a shout out on this podcast. If you like what you hear on this show, if you see something, say something. Please do the five star review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the show, as every podcast tells you, but it does. It helps the show go a long way. It helps it get all the way to the tip, if you will, just for a second, just to see how it feels. Rafe, two words for the people on the way out. You got anything else to give beyond that? Beyond that, I just want to once again say everybody, oh, if, if, you, if you listen and you feel like subscribing to this new newsletter I started a few weeks ago, Respect Box, it's on my Twitter. It's pinned there. There's a link. Just fill it out. Put in your email. You can. I get a lot of fake email addresses. I got a uh, fake Larry Merchant subscribing. You know, so you know you can mess around with me too. Um, you could put in, you know, uh, Brian Campbell's feel spot at uh, analmalwarerussia.russia. Uh, you know, go have go wild with it. Anyway, I got a link up there. Um, if you want to subscribe, I will be uh, giving. You know, we can cruise together on Fridays in your inbox. Uh, so yeah, check that out if you're interested. And yeah, the, the words that I was supposed to say. We out.